0: I'm John Lewis and you're listening to 360 Degree City, a podcast where we talk to people who are working to make cities better. Our hope is that after each episode, you'll start to see your own city from a slightly different angle. In this season of the podcast, we're exploring reading and how it relates to our cities and our community spaces. Thanks to the work we've been undertaking with Calgary Reads, our team's been intrigued with the intersection of reading and the fabric of our cities. In our last episode, we learned about the Little Red Reading Place in Calgary, and today we're going to continue that conversation to further understand how reading places can impact children. Do you remember how old you were when you learned how to read? I don't remember the exact age, but I do remember sitting in a big comfy chair in our house and reading with my mom. Later, once my reading ability expanded, you couldn't get me away from my Choose Your Own Adventure books. Now, with a daughter of my own, reading's a nearly daily activity in our house. Thanks in large part to my wife, Jen, who is a voracious reader herself, she read 69 books last year alone. Even though I don't remember my vocabulary at age three, apparently it was a very important part of my literacy development. As Stacy Penny from Calgary Reads explains, there's a really important window of time for learning how to read.
1: I like to tell, say to people there's this 369 scenario that we need to be attentive to. When a child is three, their vocabulary is going to really forecast for us what's going to happen when they're six and they're in school and they're coming to learn how to read and and get exposed to this code so three-year-old is an incredibly important milestone the six-year-old's ability to learn how to read is very important and by age nine which is typically around grade four children are expected to know how to read and now they're to use reading for the rest of their life to go on to learn and think and be and succeed. Mm-hmm. And without us um, tracking a child's development through this spectrum of from birth to eight years of age, um, which is this three, six, nine scenario, um, we, it just gets more costly, more complicated, and it's uh, no longer a prevention to build their vocabulary and get them to read. We're having to bring in intervention strategies, which then play into a child's diminished self-esteem. Right, uh, right. You know, when you're not a reader, you know it, and everyone around you knows it. And it's not very long before uh, you are picked on, laughed at, you know, ostracized. And who would want that for any child?
0: Reading has such a huge impact on our lives. It opens doors for critical thinking, problem solving, communicating, empathizing. That's why Stacy is an advocate for reading places. The concept behind reading places is simple yet powerful, create spaces that are interesting, comfortable and inviting so that people are excited to read. In our last episode, we talked a lot about the little red reading house, which was originally known as the children's reading place here in Calgary. It's a beautiful experiment that's caught the attention of communities and organizations around the world. Terry Lindbergh describes the place very well.
2: But you're right, if you didn't know the place, you'd think, okay, it's this beautiful house close to the river in a very, very interesting neighborhood with lots of history. Um, And it's an older house with so many nooks and crannies in it. Mm -hmm. You're right, from the street level... um, it's like going through, you know, the lion, witch, in the wardrobe through the wardrobe. It's like a, a portal into another universe when you walk through those doors. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, ama- and amazing, uh, that you got to, uh, live, live inside the
2: wardrobe. <laughs> but it, it is. And it's such a gift. And it, you feel, you feel like, and you, you felt like, it's hard to describe the, the, the energy, the house was there. I, I I'm a prolific reader, and I've always liked reading, even when I was small and had special reading places. And I would say my wife is as well, but I've never read as many books as when I was in (laughs) that house.
0: (laughs) Terry was lucky enough to actually live in the Little Red Reading House. As part of the Reader in Residence program, Terry and his wife Christine lived in the house, serving as hosts for many of the visitors to the reading place. Terry has many stories about how the reading place impacted children and families and their relationship to reading. One day, a kid came in who loved Star Wars, but hated to read.
2: Uh, there was a, a young boy who came in and, you know, he kind of spent a lot of time shuffling around, looking at his feet, uh, a, a bit lost, not, not, not engaged as per usual with the house. And so I remember going over to him and kind of getting down to his level and just saying, oh... Um, you know, is there a kind of a book or something that might interest you or that you, uh, you know, interest you have? And he, and, and he said that he he loved Star Wars, but he hated to read.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
2: So it was interesting. He said, I just hate reading, but I love Star Wars. And he proceeded to tell me some of the things he liked about Star Wars. And so for whatever reason, at that moment, I said to him, well, you know what? There's lots of, there's Star Wars books in this house. And his eyes got booked. And I said, we can bring you up kind of a basket with these books. And I said, and if you you want, I'll make you a deal. And then he kind of looked at me. What deal are you making me here? And I said, (laughs) I'll make you a deal. You know Star Wars far better than me. So how about we find a book that has words and pictures and I'll do the reading and you describe the pictures. Hmm. Well, pretty soon... He knew so much about it, the stories. He was telling his own story and then following along as I read. And then next thing he knew, he'd found up in the maker space upstairs, he'd found that little nook, that tiny little nook that's almost like a little fort up there. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to take the book up there. So we ended up, I, I scrunched myself <laughs> down and got in there <laughs> with him and with this pile of books. Well, pretty soon we know we're reading this book and he's illustrating and I'm doing the, the written part. And then suddenly we've got other heads coming through their window. And suddenly we've got a gathering of about four kids oh, yeah. going through these books. And, and he's so excited because he realizes that he knows an awful lot about this. And suddenly, you know, at the end of it, he's able to say that, oh, I'd like to take one of these books home. And, and then he, he, you know, essentially says to make, is there one, the reading simpler in other words, right? Because he'd mm-hmm. like to be able to do this. Yeah. But what was interesting is without the house, the, the magical spaces and the books being present, there was a barrier there.
0: A lot of children face barriers to being excited to read. Perhaps they don't have access to books at home. There's a very real chance that they're distracted by technology. Or maybe they just aren't confident in their reading abilities and feel self-conscious about it. Some Calgary schools are trying to remove these barriers by creating reading places of their own. One such school is Vista Heights, located in the northeast part of Calgary. Michelle Harvey was the principal at the time that The Reading Place was created in the school.
3: Uh, My name is Michelle Harvey, and I'm currently a grade four teacher for the Calgary Board of Education. And um, I was a school principal a couple of years ago, and um, that's where I did most of my work with Calgary Reads and started our own little reading place at school. Uh, But my true calling was to be back in the classroom with kids, and administration kind of takes you away from that Mm. (laughs) just a little bit with some paperwork, et cetera. So uh, I went back to the classroom two years ago, and I've been teaching kids face-to-face since then.
0: Terrific. Okay. Thank you. Uh okay. So um yeah, so Vista Heights uh implemented uh, a reading place. Um so maybe you could you could tell us uh what the the story is behind that and, and why the school decided to go down that path.
3: For sure. So Vista Heights is a really unique little school. Um it's the the heart of the community of Vista Heights and um all the such diversity in that community in terms of background, culture, about 25 different languages represented at the time Mm. that I was there. Um, And the parents definitely supported reading and wanted to foster a love of reading. Sometimes the resources weren't there, though, to Mm. um, put books into kids' hands, to put books in languages that all of the children could speak. Um, and just opportunities to read, and that was something that Calgary Reads definitely opened the door to. Um, so we started, um, we started off with Calgary Reads in doing some of their in-school mentoring programs, where they would have volunteers come in and read with kids.
1: Mm.
3: And from there, it just kind of rolled out. And whenever Calgary Reads, if it was Stacy or other colleagues. Um, suggested something, hey, did you hear Calgary Reads is doing this? We were ready to jump on um, Mm. and try uh, the We Reads program with the little kids, kindergarten at school. Um, At one point, Mount Royal University was also doing a practicum where students would come in partnership with Calgary Reads and do their teaching practicum, but also um, work hand in hand with Calgary Reads. And um, we had so many benefits as well, including having some family nights where Calgary Reads would come out and host or co-host mm-hmm. with us. Um, we did a pizza and poetry night, and, mm-hmm. and I think maybe it was the pizza that brought the families, but they stayed for the poetry. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a plus. Um, we also benefited from having uh, what they called a freebie or a freebie uh, bookshelf. And so it was like a mini portable um, little reading house or those little reading uh, mailboxes that you might see on the sidewalks, little free libraries. And um, so we started off with that and just having a little bookshelf at the front of the school when parents would come in and drop their kids off or come into the office, uh, they knew it was free, take what you want. Sometimes they would leave books in other languages. So our supply mm-hmm. of, of Arabic and uh, Asian language books was starting to grow as well. Um, and when parents asked a second time, these are free, it, they just looked so incredibly happy that they could just take books. Mm. So that was really the the beginning. Um, At the same time as a school, we started to do some uh, thinking, well, maybe we need to provide bigger opportunities for students to read at school Um, and that was i think what stacy was getting at with the little with the reading house in inglewood Mm -hmm. was to give kids a beautiful place to read um and she always talks about the three b's and and having like your your book light your book and a comfy place to be um so we thought how can we get this in our school how can we create um a nice, comfortable reading place in our school where kids will actually want to read. And that was key. We wanted to promote not only good reading skills and strategies, but we wanted to promote joyful literacy. Mm. Uh, So kids would actually seek out a book rather than a tablet or an iPhone uh, for their own pleasure.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, So at the same time, um, we were very fortunate to receive a a grant um, from the Williams Foundation, in Alberta. Um, I think I, I wrote down his name so I, I wouldn't mess up. It's the Mr. Jack Williams Family Foundation. Hmm. And um, they gave us some money so that we could um, do an initiative in creating our own reading place in the school. Ooh. So okay. those funds or a little school in Vista Heights, those funds were so integral in getting this going. So with that money, we purchased Um, Well, first of all, we turned our old kind of decrepit computer lab and no one really uses a computer lab anymore. There's tablets and laptops in classrooms. Um, So we just turned this old computer lab into our reading place. And so um, all the tables and desks where computers used to be We thought, well, underneath there, that would be a cozy little hiding (laughs) spot um, to sit underneath. So we bought carpets and cushions and pillows, and the kids would sit underneath the shelves of desks. We would provide baskets with little pretend plastic reading glasses, (laughs) flashlights, so they could sit under um, with their little glasses on and um, stick a flashlight on their book we purchased baskets of um, just fancy baskets so that we could have books. Wherever kids turned, there was a book available. And that that's just key when you want to promote literacies, making mm-hmm. it available to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, We purchased some art, we gave an honorarium to a local Calgary artist who painted a mural for us so that part of the wall looked like a window and we were looking outside because unfortunately the room didn't have windows so
0: um,
3: we tried to make it aesthetically feel like we were actually, um, we could see some nature Um, and we bought a beautiful tent and kids could go inside the tent and read as well. So that, uh, that grant, for sure, helped us create that, and we did that um, back in December 20, uh, 2018. And concurrently, we also wanted to give the kids a chance to actually go to Inglewood and see the Calgary Reeds mm. place so they could see what it might look like on a bigger scale. So we applied for an Education Matters grant which we received. And that money helped us pay for the transportation to bus kids down to Inglewood from Vista Heights. And all the classes, kindergarten to grade six that year had their chance to go and we tried to make it um, Uh, an outing for the day so not just going to the reading place but we called the program literacy at large so students went to a grocery in inglewood bite grocery and um, bite was so um, generous they talked about um, money and purchasing items the grade ones went to the grocery area and learned about some financial literacy at the time oh great Uh, grade fives and sixes carried on from the reading place and walked to the brand new central public library downtown and they could mm-hmm. see that beautiful building. Um, classes took a walk along the Bo River and we tried to commune with nature and have some nature literacy. So we tried to incorporate as much about literacy as we could Amazing. all at the same time. So. Um, I, yeah, that to, to in a long way answer your question, that's how it got started.
0: Well, there's, there's a lot going on there. There's, <laughs> there's a lot to tell.
3: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, amazing. And, and so I'm wondering, really curious if, if you can describe some of the stories, the impacts, the, I guess, changes in behavior you might have observed as that space started to take shape. One of the things that I think is so interesting about the Reading Place concept is, is it's not just, you know, like the, the old school approach to learning is, you know, sort of learn your letters, learn to read. It's it doesn't, there's not a lot of fun or magic or comfort and just the the intersection of uh, place and how that can have such a positive impact on something that is so profoundly positive in the lives of, of these kids.
3: Absolutely. And, and that just brings to mind one memory I have years and years ago, I was Somewhere, and I heard an adult tell a child that if they didn't start behaving, they just have to sit down and be quiet and read a book. And oh. I thought that was um, whoa, what a what a negative light to put reading no and books. In. And then I thought, I you know, oh how how can I stay away from that um, in Vista Heights School where I could have mm-hmm. some impact? Like um, and so I think uh, a big change that we started to see was kids wanting to go down to that computer lab area. It was kind of at the end of a hallway just off the library and it wasn't always uh, well used or well visited. And I noticed students, especially some of our students who were a little bit more dysregulated, choosing to go into that area once the reading place was there Um, Mm -hmm. the looks on their faces when they were sitting underneath the shelving and looking at us like this is okay you're you're (laughs) actually letting me sit under the furniture Um, that was a a huge sign that they um, wanted to go if we had a, a little a little person I'm thinking of decide to run out of his classroom and, and run away, he would run to the reading place. And that was just fantastic. Wow. And the, the teacher or the education assistant would go and they would just snuggle in the tent or under the shelf with a book. And what a great tool to help that child regulate themselves and, and get back to class.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so seeing kids seek it out. Another, uh, of course, being an administrator at the time, data is a big part of <laughs> what drives our work. Um, so, of course, doing a lot of surveys, too, we wanted to make sure that we mm. could measure impact. And so we did um, some data collection in terms of uh, surveys that the Calgary Board of Education gave us for grades five and six students. We did a, a Calgary Reads sort of attitude survey towards reading. And we also use some report co- uh, report card scores um, with the reading section of the report card. Hmm. And we, we saw all of that data improve our report card measures from one term to another term during that year. Um, the percentage of students achieving the acceptable standard and above um, rose by 10%. Wow! Um, and I think it was that um, intentional focus on creating spaces and places to read. Um, I really appreciated reading what some of the grades four five, and six students said in, in some of their surveys. Um, I wrote down a couple um, kids were saying things like, I like to read. I'm a good reader. And so students seeing themselves as a good mm. reader and, and mm. just not being afraid to say, Hey, I'm a good reader. Um, I read for fun. That's an amazing statement from a, yeah. an adolescent. Um, when I'm not at school, I read. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and I like going to the public library. I think kids seeing that that public library downtown just was right. awe-inspiring. And if you've ever been to the mm-hmm. downtown Calgary Public Library, it is a work of art.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and then in terms of some of the other comments, the grade fives and sixes said they were talking about... Um, they have the skills to do any type of reading in their everyday life. And 96% of the kids responded that, yes, they have the skills they need to do everyday reading. Um, so yeah, the, you know, the data can sometimes be a dry part of the job, but you know, it, it speaks for itself as well. So for sure. Yeah. Those were all really, really positive signs.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, and 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 you know one of the things that we're hopeful of, you know, through the podcast and through some of the the great work that Calgary Reads is doing with the the Little Red Reading House website is is spreading the word. Um, but you have to make the case uh, for resources, for space, for any number of things. So to to have that idea in in our practice that at intelligent futures, we have this idea of, uh, no data without narrative and no narrative without data. And if you compare those two, then, then you have a much more compelling case than it's, if it's one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. And so I I guess, could you describe, um, the difference for folks, you you talked about the sort of shift from the the outdated computer lab, Mm -hmm. um, if, if someone were to just be learning about this idea and they said, well, aren't we, aren't you just talking about a library? How would you describe <laughs> the difference? Cause that's something that that we've experienced in, in some of the conversations we've had.
3: Absolutely. Um, and in our case, this computer lab was just right off the library. So they were really mm. right next door to each other with no wall or door separating them. Mm. And it really did feel on the one hand, like two separate spaces, but on the other hand, the reading place, felt like um, an extension of the library, almost more of a, the, the world of imagination. So the library mm-hmm. was the, the, the place where you go and, and you get the books. That's mm-hmm. very functional. You go and you get the books and you talk to the librarian and you sign them out. Um, You've got your browsing stick and looking through all the shelves and and choosing what you want. And then by walking a couple of steps into the reading place where we had hung um, just strips of ribbon hanging from the Mm -hmm. ceiling that kind of created a little separation. It was almost like walking into um, an imagination. And that's where kids took their book that they just selected um, and we're able to go in and lay down under a table, or go find a spot inside the tent, or go grab a, a beanbag chair and have a seat. And my cat is walking on my back. <laughs> um, yeah. So it just—it it kind of took the the practical. Um, and I'm not trying to diss libraries in any sense, but mm-hmm. to take that practical aspect of here, I am choosing a book and selecting a book to now I can read it. Now I can mm-hmm. relax and be me and just let my mind mm-hmm. um, go to where it wants to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that I've found so interesting in, in in this toolkit we're, we're building for, for kids. And we've started to test it with kids. My daughter included um, that the, the, just the idea of agency and ownership um, is, is just a different thing. And so if, if, The if kids in particular can feel agency and ownership over the space if they're doing it in their school or in their home to create that space, then they have agency and ownership and their own learning experience and all those kinds of things where they're where you know how they navigate the world, it's so much you have to fit in and do as you're told kind of thing. So that's a really interesting the fact that you had the library right up against it. Yeah. As sort of a an immediate compare and contrast that they're complementary, but very different,
3: for sure. And and I think we have to um, embrace some old thinking about how we expect students to act and behave in a school. Mm-hmm. Um, walking in a straight line, a quiet line down hallways, and, and that sort of thing. And um, even in my early years as a teacher, those were values that we held. That kids needed to walk in a nice straight line. And when you're in the library, you need to be really quiet and whisper. And mm-hmm. um, you're there for purpose get your book and go um, and we needed to shift some of that thinking and, and that required a bit of a shift for some teachers as well because sure. thought that oh, kids don't need to walk in a straight line down the hall um that uh that took a little bit of change as well and i and what you're saying with that agency i think that um speaks to some permission as well yeah. um, permission from the kids that oh I, I can lay down on the floor. I can take my book and get cozy down. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a lot of convincing from us and a lot of me and the teachers um, laying down on the floor too and saying, look, we we can lay down on the floor and get cozy and read a book as well. So once the kids realized they had that permission and you can do whatever you need to do um, to create a reading space and to make a space for you for that, I call it joyful literacy. Um mm-hmm. And and I was really hopeful that some kids, well, all of the kids, but just um, I didn't know that we would have an impact on everyone, but if some would go into their own bedrooms and create some kind of a reading space because of what they'd seen, uh, both at the Little Red Reading House and um, in their school library. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it doesn't take much, a book, um, a cozy little spot. Um, So we really hoped that it would just keep spreading.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's the 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 toolkit that we're building. And, you know, when, when our team was starting to build elements of it, we would be, we found ourselves guessing, well, would kids want to see, you know, precedent imagery? Would they want to see this? And then we all kind of stopped and said, well, we have access to kids, including one just upstairs. Why don't we just go ask them so you uh, can... See, this is an audio, uh, but you can see in the whiteboard there, the, the thing in the bottom, uh, my daughter drew the, the, she said, I think this should be on the cover because I explained to her, like, this is for kids to do their thing and the adults to support, not do what the adults say. And so uh, the it says, warning, you are entering a kids-only zone. Adults' minds may explode from the sheer awesomeness of their kids' ideas. <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> so s- support us, give us the resources we need, but step back and stay out of our way because we got some reading to do. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. And give us that space and opportunity and that permission to just do it. And I, I think it, it has required a little bit of a, a shift in our thinking that um, how how students ought to behave in a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think we're making some positive changes
0: Calgary Reads is doing incredible work to inspire comfortable, cozy spaces where you can sit down, pick up a good book, and become inspired by stories, ideas, and new ways of thinking. Our team at Intelligent Futures has been helping them create a toolkit for children to build their own reading places. As part of the process, we had kids work with a prototype of the toolkit that we initially developed so we could get their feedback and then improve it. Let's hear from some of these young readers, starting with my daughter Avery, who recently built a reading place in her room.
1: Hi, my name's Avery, and one thing I liked about making the reading place
0: was sewing the curtains with my mom. Um, My reading place is in the corner
1: of my room, and it's all curtained off, and it has a couple pillows and a little mattress chair thing, and
0: it has some nice lights. Um, when I get home from school, I like to read in my reading place, and I didn't used to do that, so that's pretty cool. Hi, I'm Mackenzie. One thing I liked about the process of building the reading room was choosing where the reading room would be and choosing what would be inside the reading room. How the reading room has helped me with reading is by encouraging me to read more and
3: visualize the character, what the characters are doing.
1: Hi, I'm Ella. Our reading room is built in our spare bedroom in a little closet-like nook. And that space was just for storage. Now we turned it into our reading room. And I find that the reading room has encouraged me to read more, even if it's not in this space.
0: To find out more about the Little Red Reading House and how you can build a reading place in your own space, go to littleredreading.house. 360 Degree City is created by our team at Intelligent Futures. To learn more about the work we do, go to intelligentfutures.ca. I'm John Lewis. Thanks for stopping by.